Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. We have become accustomed to living in constant fear, paralyzed by the ever-growing list of things that make us afraid. This is no way to live. Thankfully, this state of fearful worry can be escaped. God's Word is full of commands to release fear. We can't elude the things that have the potential to create fear, but they do not have to lead to our ruin. Through faith, we can face all things, knowing God's promises are true and His power is sufficient. In Christ, we can live fearless. Well, good morning, church. We good? Come on, let me hear you one more time. Let me feel some energy in the room. I, I believe y'all going to be a little more rowdy than 9 o'clock. Y'all won't be as rowdy as Monday. Believe it or not, Monday's rowdy. Because if you come to church on Monday night, you need Jesus. And after most Monday, you really need Jesus. Amen, somebody? Okay, so um, yesterday I did something that I rarely do, and I got a reminder of why I rarely do it. Uh, yesterday I went to the grocery store, y'all. And just about lost my salvation. Uh, and that, and if, you, if you've been to the grocery you're like, yeah, I get it, uh-huh, preach. Uh, now I realize, like, well, my, my wife does most of our grocery shopping, um, but she does that Walmart pickup thing that doesn't, doesn't make you step into the third pits of Walmart. You know, where you, like, you just order online, they give you, you pick a time, you pull up, you just open, and you don't have to see nobody, fight nobody, deal with anything, mess with that computer that doesn't read half the stuff you got. Anyway, like, but so yesterday, but because we, there's not, it, it, there were some things I wanted that we couldn't get from Walmart, so I decided, okay, I'm out and about, I'll do you a favor, babe. <laughs> I'll go to the grocery store, and again, Immediately, I remember, like, okay, so I'm ready to check out. I don't have a whole lot of stuff, but I'm just over those 10 or 12 items, and I just have a man of integrity, so I'm not going through the 12 items or less. Um, so I, I, I peruse which line am I going to go to, and I have to choose between both of them. And there's one that's, that just has one lady that's just pulled up to it, and she doesn't have a whole lot of stuff either. I'm thinking, good, I'm going to be in and out. Y'all, she was that lady. Y'all know who I'm talking about? And if you don't, you're that lady. Uh, I mean, it was like she's there and like watching like, like a hawk every single item. Like it's like, boop. That's supposed to be 3 dollars it come up 3 like, I mean, like every single item and that kind of stuff. And she was also like that, that, um, it was against her faith to use plastic. She had to use paper. Totally fine. But then, like, she's even, like, like the, the girl comes up to bag the groceries, and she's watching it. She said, don't put that in there. I, I want that to go in there. And, like, and like she's, like, 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 she's laying in a plane. She's instructing where to put the groceries into which bag. I mean, all that kind of stuff. And I'm standing there thinking, I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. And, like, I'm standing there, and, like, it just feels like it's taking for. And, and here's what's funny. Like, you ever get impatient, but you ain't got nowhere to be. <laughs> like, I didn't have anything going on. I didn't have anywhere to be. Like, she could, like, until this morning when I had to come to church, I literally had nothing to do. But I was thinking, I'm going to cut this woman. I'm telling you, she. <sighs> 
So then it gets to her. Stop judging me. I'm, I'm honest, okay? Welcome to Venice Church. Um, then it comes time to pay. She pulls out a checkbook. So I knocked her out, and then, no, I didn't. But you know how, like, even if you use a check now, like, you can just sign your name, and then you'll hand them the check and just zip to that little thing. And she he said, ma'am, if you'll just sign it, she said, no, sir, I will write this check. So we tag-teamed her, and then not, no. I'm, but she's standing there, and she goes, she's writing, she's writing the check, and she's going to put the date. And she says, like, out loud, she's like, I almost wrote 2019. And it's 2020. And she hands in the check. And she says, 2020, a year of vision. And I'm thinking, God, you could have taught me this some other way than behind <laughs> this woman. Because right then, like, something just hit me. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because right then, like, something just really struck me, man. It's like, it's like I was supposed to hear that. Y'all ever been there? Like, you, you do realize that God, God, like, hides lessons like Easter eggs <laughs> in the places that you would least likely look for them or want to find them. And she said, 2020, a year of vision. And it's like, that's not the first time I'd heard that, I don't think. Like, I've been hearing that a lot. Because when you hear 2020, you automatically think vision. Because some of us, we have to go to the eye doctor because we're blind. We have to put contacts in every day and stuff. Like, 2020, a year of vision. And, and I started thinking about that thing, and, and, and there's, there's a, probably a lot of people that maybe that's, that you're doing some reading plan, or there's a lot of churches that are doing these 2020 vision series. A year of vision. And there's a reason why we haven't done that to start this year. Because when I think vision, I think a need for clarity. You with me? And, and when... when can I just be honest with you? To me, this is, this is not, 2020 for me is not a year of vision because vision is something that, that, that we've had for a really long time. Clarity about my calling is something that I settled a long time ago. And, and for me, and, and I would even submit for a lot of people, 2020, in 2020, you don't need clarity because if you're really honest, you already have it. Like, and what I've really discovered, the, the obstacles to our faith are rarely an issue of clarity and much more often an issue of courage. Like, like what, what paralyzes our faith, what becomes a hindrance to us continue to move forward is rarely an issue of, of clarity and more often an issue of courage. And I think sometimes we say we need clarity when what we're really lacking is courage. Because it's easy to say, God, I don't know what you want when you don't want to do what God says to do. Oh, come on. Y'all with me? Like, it's not that we don't know what God desires for us. It's just too difficult. It's not that we don't know what he desires for our lives. It's not that we don't have a vision. It's not that we don't have an understanding of our calling. It's just our calling looks crazy. Because our calling requires things of us that we don't feel like we have. Amen, somebody. Like, like when God calls us to things, the reason why we hesitate, it's not because it isn't clear. It's because what it requires to go forward in it is a lot of courage. And it's that, not that we don't have clarity. It's that we lack 
courage. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? Can anybody testify to most of your life? It's not that you didn't know what God wanted, but what God wanted looked a little bit too difficult. What God wanted looked a little too expensive. What God wanted looked like it more than you had to give. And so your faith got paralyzed, not from a lack of clarity, but an absence of courage. And so this year is not going to be a year of clarity for a lot of us. And now if you're sitting like, man, no, 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 that's not me. First of all, we make this whole calling thing way more complicated than it is. I just don't know what God wants from me. He wants you to bring him glory. How do I do that? In every single thing that you do. Come on. Whew. Like, like we get this really narrow thing of God, don't we? And we stress ourselves out. It's like at times we, we, we're, we have all these choices and we get paralyzed by fear. Like, I'm going to choose the wrong one. I'm going to choose the wrong one. I'm going to choose the wrong one. So you, you do, you choose nothing. And God's like, just pick a path and walk it faithfully. And maybe the path isn't important as how you walk it. Come on, somebody. I don't know if God wants me to be a doctor or a teacher or a preacher or a lawyer. Just pick one and do it to the glory of God and you will be okay. Testify somebody. Come on. Just do it. Just like take this path. And like, so this year, like, like, and I'm convinced, and, and, and maybe I'm wrong and maybe there's exceptions to the rule. I think a lot of us, if not most of us, the obstacle to our faith isn't clarity, it's courage. It's we've clearly heard from God, but to follow that voice is going to be difficult. It's going to be scary. And it's fearful. And what we need is courage. And that's why, like, I think this is going to be the year where people in this room who sit in this room frequently are going to walk courageously toward God. That this is going to be the year that you take strides in your faith because you're going to courageously pursue what he has already clarified in your life. You're going to chase after the things that he told you maybe 10 years ago or two years ago or two weeks ago. And it's not because you don't know it. It's because you haven't had the courage to follow it. And this is the year that finally that courageousness builds up in your life and you're able to walk forward toward faith and allow God to unleash really awesome things in your life. Because what's waiting for you out there requires courage. And so we've been leaning into Joshua. And I think this is very true for Joshua. When Joshua steps into leadership, when he gets past the baton of leading the nation of Israel, when Moses passes this, this torch to him, he doesn't need clarity. He knows what God has called him to do. He's called to pick up where Moses left off, to take the nation of Israel from where they were to where God wants them to be. And he doesn't need that clarified. What he needs is the courage to follow what God has already clarified in his heart. Which is why he says what he says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to read it again for at least a few more weeks. When Joshua is behanding this baton of leadership, God sees no need to clarify. Now, Joshua, here's what I want you to do. Joshua knows. And so he doesn't clarify his calling. He calls him to build courage that will help him pursue that calling with consistency. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. 
Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That when God is handing the baton to, to, to Joshua to take leadership, he doesn't need clarity, he needs courage. And never once does he, he ask Joshua to be fearless, he commands that he be courageous. Because we said throughout this series, the goal is not to completely eliminate fear because that's impossible, amen? When you follow a God calling, you're going to walk through fearful things. So we're not trying to eliminate fear. We're trying to elevate faith. We're trying to get to this position in our lives where faith wins out over fear. That's what courageous is, undeterred by danger or pain, that we're not going to let the scary things deter us or derail us from God's calling in our lives. Come on. Like that's what we're trying to do. That what the goal is faithful obedience in the midst of fearful circumstance. Faithful obedience in the midst of fearful circumstance. That we're going to look at the scary things that come our way as we're chasing after God and say, I see you, but I'm going through you. I real, I'm scared, but I'm going to keep walking. I'm fearful, but I'm going to stay faithful. Come on, somebody. Like that is our goal. And we've been watching Joshua do that. And we've been seeing why Joshua needs this courage, right? Because not long after he gets this task, he's on the banks of the Jordan River, and he's got to cross over. And again, it's very clear what God is called. It's very clear God's saying, it's time to go. Joshua didn't need that clarified. But what he needed is the courage to cross in a time that didn't seem convenient, that didn't seem the most ideal. The river is at flood stage. And even the directions that God gives on how to cross the river are different than anything they've known before. Moses got to just hold a staff over the Red Sea, and it crossed. Joshua's got to go tell these guys holding this big, heavy box, they got to go put their feet in the water before it will stop. And it was clear what God said, you're going to have to get your feet wet. So he didn't need clarification. He needed courage. And that's exactly what happened because he was courageous to follow the clear instructions of God. They crossed over the Jordan. They get to the other side. And like we always know, after every Jordan, there's a Jericho. <laughs> Just as soon as we get one battle won, there's another one to fight. Come on. And God gives him very clear instructions. Walk around the city. Once every day for six days, on the seventh day, walk around it seven times, then yell at the wall, and it'll fall down. Trust me. And he had to have the courage to follow clear direction, even when it didn't make sense. God ever ask you to do anything that didn't make sense? Three of you? Like, God will constantly ask you. See, it, it takes courage to do stuff that God asks that does not make sense. And exactly what they did. They walk around that wall. And eventually they shout at it on that seventh day, and then they enter the city. But God was clear about another thing that we can't overlook and pass over before we move forward. Because God was very clear that once the walls of Jericho fell and the nation of Israel went in and took the city, there were certain things that they could have and certain things that they couldn't. God gave them very, very clear instructions that there were things they could have and things that they, they could not have. And remember a few weeks ago when I told you that, that in victory is when we're most vulnerable? If, if you missed that week, I pre preached preach a good message. It said that in victory we are most vulnerable because the greatest threat to your future success is your current success. Because success can go to your head. And what was intent to build courage can actually make you cocky. 
and build an over-self-confidence that makes you think you're entitled to take the authority that only, that only belongs to God. And see, once again, God was really clear to Joshua and the nation of Israel. Go back into Joshua chapter 6. Pick up with verse 18. Now remember, he said, march around the wall. When the walls fall, go in and take the city. But, verse 18, Joshua chapter 6. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. See, Joshua got clear instructions once again. That when you go into the city, the devoted things you can't have. There are things that you can have. There are things that you can't. Why is it that we tend to often ignore some of the things that God has said? Can I tell you something? If God said you can't have it, don't touch it. And why would we do that? Because we think we need it. Can I tell you something? If God said you can't have it, then you don't need it. If God has said that you can't have it, then you don't need it. See, God is good. And the reason why he's telling you no is because it's not necessary. If it was necessary, he would have said yes. Come on, somebody. See, God, and God does not say no for your limitation. He says no for your protection. Do you hear me, church? See, sometimes I think, oh, it's, it's so mean. Why would, why would a good, loving God tell us no? Do you know how many times I tell my kids no? And you know what? I rarely tell them no because I don't want them to have it. Okay, sometimes I do because it's fun. But your God always says no because he has a better yes. Your God always says no because he has a better yes. And the reason why he says no is never for your limitation, but only for your protection. And if he says no, he has a reason. And in this instant, he is, was the instructions vague? No. They were very clear. He says, here's what I want you to do. Here's what you can have. Here's what you can't. And this is just a reality that we need to wrestle with. That if we ignore instruction, we will experience destruction. When we ignore instruction, we experience destruction. Did you notice that twice in that verse, God said, if you do this, destruction will be the result. Twice. He says, if you ignore my instruction, you will experience destruction. And can you just, I need you to know, like, God doesn't say anything haphazardly. God doesn't talk just to hear himself talk. Everything, everything that God says, he means. And here, we don't like this part. We don't, if God says, right, if, if you ignore my instruction, 
you will experience destruction. Then we ignore his instruction and experience destruction, and then we get mad at God. You don't do that when you get the good things. My God is a promise maker. He said I would, this would happen, and it did. I praise him. He said this would happen, and it did, and I'm mad at him. See, you can't get mad at God when he keeps his word to make a promise or, get, or, or be celebrating God when he keeps his word and you get the promise, then get mad at God when he keeps his word and you get the negative thing. I know y'all don't like this sermon, but it's good and you need to hear it. Like we will, we will celebrate God when he keeps his word and gives us the things we like. Then we will get frustrated with God when he keeps his word. On the flip side of that, come on, I'm making sense. You won't, do we sing Waymaker and y'all go crazy? Waymaker, like we go, but he keeps his word all across the board. Come on, somebody. And if God says, if you no, ignore my instruction, you will experience destruction, he ain't playing around. He ain't playing around. So will you move with me into chapter 7? God said clearly, don't do this. And sometimes what you need the most courage to do is not what God said to do, but the courage to do what God said you shouldn't do. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Kamiri, the son of Zemiri, the son of Zariah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, now, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and they became like water. You are most vulnerable in victory. See, they come out on the other side and now they, get, they have yet another battle lies before them. They had just had victory over the Jordan. They had victory in Jericho. And now they're going up against this little small nation whose army is so not intimidating that they think we can just gather up like a little, a little regiment to go and fight this. And they send this army to fight and they get whooped. So much so that 36 people die in that battle. And all of a sudden they come back and the Bible says they melted like water. In one moment, all that courage built in the Jordan, all that courage built taking the Jericho, boom, it's gone. And for the first time, Joshua will have to taste defeat. And the question is, how will he respond? For the first time, like God, Joshua was really going to be put to the test. Up until this point, dude had a good resume. He had led them across the Jordan at flood stage and had rallied all the people to follow God's instructions and details to the T, and they crossed over and made it safely. 
They had marched around Jericho and shouted at the wall, and it had failed, and they had took the city. And now what seems like the simplest battle yet is the one that ends in defeat. And now the question is, all right, how will Joshua respond? How will he respond to the setback? How will he respond to the defeat? Because how you, how you react in failure matters. See, it's one thing to, to, to have, have courage in victory. It's one thing to have courage in another victory. But then what will it do to your courage when finally you experience some kind of defeat? And can I just say, there will be moments where you lose. Or at least it feels like you lose. Oh, y'all win them all? Y'all, some of y'all, y'all lost, you lost an argument with your wife on the way here. And I just want, but, but surely Joshua, the courageous, he can handle it, right? It's just one defeat. It's just one battle. Verse 7. And Joshua said, oh, Lord, alas, sovereign Lord. Why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Like, do you see the drama? Like, he didn't want to go back just to Jericho. Like, only if we had been content to stay on the other side of the wall of Jericho. No, like, he's going all the way back to the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out your name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Joshua, a bit of a drama queen right here, okay? Like, do you hear, like, he has just seen two of the most legendary victories and miracles Yet. And now one defeat and he's done. Do you hear in his voice? God, why did you bring us here just to die? Why did you bring us here? Like now, I know y'all have never been prisoners of the moment. Y'all have never allowed yourselves to overreact in your life. But I have. See, there's sometimes when just a few things start going wrong. And I get so dramatic about it, I make it seem as if the whole world is falling apart. Have you ever been there? Like, everything's good, everything's fine, and for the most part, 99.9% of your life is good, but they bring you your order, and it's got onions on it, and you didn't want onions. I can't believe it, my life's falling apart. (laughs) Why? Come on. Like, one little thing goes wrong, one little thing maybe doesn't work out like you hoped it would, and all of a sudden, you melt like water. We ain't much different, are we, than Joshua? Or maybe it's not insignificant. Maybe it's very significant. But you've seen God do so much, and one thing doesn't go like you thought it would, and you let it completely destroy your faith. God can help you win battle after battle after battle, but then one thing doesn't go like you wanted it to or go your way, and the next thing you know, you're ready to quit. There's some people in this room, you gave up a long time ago. 
and you shouldn't have. You let one thing go wrong, and maybe it was a big thing. I'm not saying that what Joshua went through, 36 men just died. That's significant. But maybe God wants to say to you what he said to Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? God ever talked to you like that? Stand up. Yeah, I know it's bad. I know this thing went wrong. But haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? I didn't mean just be courageous in victory. You need to have courage in defeat. Because a single defeat does not have to lead to your destruction unless you stay down. I know it's cliche, but that old saying, like, it's not matter, it doesn't matter how many times you've been knocked down, it's how many times you get up. See, somewhere along the way, somebody, your faith got knocked down, and you've just stayed down for far too long. And today, God's looking at some people in the room saying, stand up. You may have lost the last one, but you can win the next one if you'll get up. If you would just stand up and realize that there's a way forward, that just because that one's over doesn't mean it's the end, that there is, there is a way forward, but not if you stay down. Like there's some people in the room, like you went through some really significant things, some really significant loss, and, and you're not prisoner to the moment. You're not falling just victims of the emotions. Like you're having to endure something that, that was so difficult that it eroded your faith to such a degree that it really knocked you down. And God's saying, hey, hey, stand up. Don't stay down on your face. Because I'm still God. He's still God. But Joshua went through what I call the collapse of courage. Because can we be honest? Nothing fuels fear like failure. I think Joshua thinks one battle. They, they trusted me. And I led them to defeat. I was their leader. I was their commander. I was the one that came up with this plan. And then he probably, you ever started second guessing yourself? And maybe he's thinking, maybe I didn't send enough people. Maybe I looked at that city and thought that was enough. Maybe I underestimated it. And then you start second guessing and question. Next thing you know, guilt starts setting in. Come on, somebody. And it starts to riddle you and paralyze you and keep you down. But if you're going to stand up, you got to find the way forward. You got you to do the hard work of understanding why the defeat happened. And God begins to give Joshua insight into how they got to where they are. Verse 11, Israel has sinned, God says to Joshua. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the voted things they have stolen, they have lied, they have put them with their own possessions. You know what God's saying? They ignored my instruction. And they experienced destruction. Like, I wasn't playing around when I said don't do that. They did what I, what I clearly told them not to do. And because I'm God and I keep my word, that's how we got here. Verse 12, that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore. Unless. Somebody say unless. 
Somebody thank God for the unless. See, like, like I, can't, I can't be with you the way things are now. Like there's something present that until it's removed, I can't honor it. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy among you, destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. God says, Joshua, the reason why we got here is because you've ignored my instruction. And when you ignore my instruction, you experience destruction because when God can't stay where sin is present. He can't ignore it. See, sin is what leads to most of our missteps. Can we just be honest? Most of the failure in my life is a result of my unwillingness to follow. I can't be frustrated at God when I'm not willing to follow. Like God clearly gives instructions to our lives. And see, what sin does is sin severs us from the supply. Sin is what cuts us off from God. It's what, it's what can disrupts the intimacy we, we need with him. And it's an intimacy and relationship with him that we get that courage, right? Come on. When we are connected to God and living in intimacy with God is where we experience that supply and that strength necessary to fight the battles that are before us. But when we make the decision to ignore God's instruction, and when you ignore God's instruction, can I tell you what that is? I know you don't like it. I know you don't. It's sin. When you willingly don't do what God said to do, that's sin. When you willingly do what God said not to do, that's sin. And it can't go ignored. Because he's a holy God. And see, here's the thing. We want God's supply without having to surrender to his standard. We want his provision without operating within his parameters. And can I just say, church, it don't work like that. Come on, somebody. It doesn't work like that. And again, it's not for your limitation. It's for your protection. And he's saying, Joshua, as long as that thing is present, you're severed from my supply, you're disconnected from my strength, and the road ahead of you is going to destroy you unless we deal with it. Isaiah 59, 2 but your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Sin separates us. It severs us from the supply. And God says, I will not be with you unless. See, that's the beauty of God is he made a way for the unless. Come on, somebody. He said there, that, that like, this is that a single defeat does not have to lead to absolute destruction. That you, you're defeated, but destruction can still be avoided if you remove what doesn't belong. 
He says, you have to go and destroy what's not supposed to be there so that I can be. you got to remove the thing that's keeping me from being able to be fully present. And see, for us, there's something in our hearts called sin. And God will not share your, the, the residence of your heart with sin. Before he can take up residence in your heart, sin has to be removed. And luckily, he made a way for that to happen. He created a path to deal with your sin. The moment that Jesus came to this planet and died on the cross, he took the penalty. He took the destruction that you deserve for ignoring the instructions. He bore it within himself and his own body. He took the destruction that you... See, destruction was necessary for ignoring the instruction. But instead of your destruction, it was his on a cross where he shed his blood so that he could deal with the sin in your life, get it out of your heart, purify you, and allow the Holy Spirit to take up residence in your spirit. And the only way for this to not just be a simple setback for you to stand up and move forward is that sin has got to go. It's got to be removed. And until it does, you will be severed from the supply and you will not have the strength to fight the battle that's coming next. As long as the sin stays, it will rob you of courage and joy and peace. It will continue to breed paranoia and fear and struggle. There's somebody in the Bible that knew this full well, David. You remember King David? Had a pretty legendary mistake. Had a pretty legendary failure. And for a while, he let, it, he let that sin stay. And I want you to read, look at Psalm 32, verse 1. David says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. See, when I, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Like when, when I refused to acknowledge that there was something there that wasn't supposed to be there, it, it physically wore me out. Verse 4, for day and night your hand was heavy on me and my strength was zapped as in the heat of summer. He says, as long as I went without acknowledging my transgressions, dealing with my sin, like it wore on me, it zapped me of energy, it zapped me of courage, it zapped me of strength, like I know what it's like. To have sin present in my life and act like it's not a big deal. I know what it's like to have sin ravaging my spirit and try to somehow move forward. And he's trying to tell us, y'all, it, it wears you down to the point where you don't have the energy and courage to fight what is before you. Verse 5, he said, but then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That when sin is present, it depletes you. 
It severs that intimacy that's necessary with God for you to have the strength and courage to fight the day in and day out battles. Courage collapses. But confession restores courage. Because confession reestablishes the connection with the one who can give it. And today, maybe the reason why you don't feel courageous is because there's a lack of confession. There is sin in your life that you've just, you've gotten a little too comfortable with because it's a little sin. There are no small sins because there is no small God to sin against. And here's what I know. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And all of us have to pay attention to the temptation that comes around us every single day. And if you're going to live courageous, confession is necessary. He has already covered what you're covering up. He has already covered with his blood what you need to confess. He's just waiting on you to do your part. So you bow your heads, close your eyes, and right now is a really, really, really important moment because there's people in the room that you're confession away from courage. There is a sin of pride or selfishness or something in your life. And so would you just begin to talk to God and ask God to show you the thing that you need to deal with, that you need to wrestle with, that thing that's robbing you of courage because you've just not been willing to confess it. You've gotten too comfortable with it being present. And today's a day to deal with it. The Bible says that if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive. And right now, as you're confessing, fireworks might not go off. You may not feel any different, but his word is true. That he he blots out our transgressions. I will not be with you unless. I want you to just talk to God. Say, God, here it is. Show it to me. Forgive me. Blot it out. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes away my soul and makes me pure. Father, I pray that we would have the courage to wrestle with you in this moment. God, speak to hearts. Challenge us. Stretch us. Change us. God, help people just to be honest and transparent before you right now in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.